Hello and welcome to our ninth episode in the Tenth Commandments series here on Devoted Devotions. My name is Tandy and I hope you have been learning valuable lessons um, throughout the series. It is coming to a close. We are going to wrap this up very soon. And so I'm really looking forward for everything to just come together in a nice, neat bow. Our memory text is found in Ephesians 4 verses 25, which says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let's bow our heads as we invite the Holy Spirit to join us. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time in submission of our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, and our tongues. Father, we pray that the words of our mouths may be worthy and acceptable, that when we go out into the world, we may speak the truth with each other and not be people who are filled with lies or people who spread lies. Lead us, Father, and teach us your truth so that we may become examples of it in our various circles. In your mighty name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Before we begin, I just want to praise God. Let's revere his holy name. There is so much about him that we don't know. And the things that we do know about him, we don't fully understand. I mean, how can we? He is an infinite being. And we are not. And the reason this is being brought up is because sometimes we kind of focus too much on the negatives. But just... Just look at God and worship who he is because who he is and what he has done is enough. And every time you read God's word, there is something that he's revealing about himself and his character. So, so we need to pay attention because God's word, his law, his name and his character are the truth. We cannot separate these things. We can't pick and choose. As we said, we can't love God for his mercy and his loving kindness and then despise him for his judgment because those judgments are faithful and truthful altogether. We serve a God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it with his word. A God whose word does not return to him unless it has achieved its purpose as stated in Isaiah. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 11. So let's understand these three things about God. First thing is that he cannot lie. It is impossible. Numbers 23 verses 19, Titus 1 verses 2, Hebrews 6 verses 18. Second thing is that he is the embodiment of the truth. 
There is no darkness in him. 1 John 1 verses 5. Thirdly, is that what he says comes to pass. His words do not fall on the ground. Matthew 24 verses 35. So, by definition, it is impossible for God to lie. Let's remember that the Most High does not have a set of laws that he has to keep. But the law is basically like um, a reflection of his character. The law is who he is, right? So telling the truth is automatically who he is. And so because this is a blueprint of the image that we carry, it's expected of us to not bear false witness. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Exodus 20 verses 16. And yes, we know on the surface, this speaks to testifying in court. Um, but when we look deeper, obviously, there's more interesting layers when we peel back. So let's read Exodus 23 verses 1 to 9 just to get insight on how this law applies. It says, do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure to help them with it. Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or an honest person to death. For I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the innocent. Do not oppress the foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. God's law is just so beautiful. I could cry. Do you guys see it? In a world where everyone is obsessed with self and like minding their own business, God's law i.e. his character, calls us to be concerned with the poor. He tells us to avoid spreading lies that will harm an innocent bystander. There's a, a verse in Proverbs that even speaks on how lies are basically the same as cutting someone up with a sword. That's, that's how much damage a lie can cause. His law even commands you to protect the property of your enemy. And that last sentence is literally the foundation of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. The Israelites didn't appreciate being oppressed in Egypt, right? So they have a duty to not oppress future generations. When God entered darkness, he spoke light over it. So we should follow suit. The word says, let he who stole steal no more, but let him give. 
we looked at that in the previous episode if you haven't please do check it out when you have an encounter with christ you literally have a desire to change your life right you no longer do the things that you used to do john says that if they love god but do not keep the commandments they are liars and so your life can also bear witness to the truth people cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom because there is no middle ground If you haven't checked out that episode, please go and make sure if you don't understand what I'm referring to. When we enter conversations or spaces filled with dark spirits or people um, with mindsets that are in rebellion to God, we should never be afraid to speak the light of the word. The world is full of immense darkness because the children of light are hiding their lights under the table. Our Savior himself said so. What good is a light that is going to be hidden under the bushel? And here's the thing though, right? A false witness is what got humanity in trouble in the first place. In the Garden of Eden, as stated in Genesis 3, The serpent said, you shall not surely die. The direct opposite of what God had said. Now let's pause quickly because I don't want to assume that we're on the same page. God, who cannot lie, it's impossible for God to lie, right? That God, whose words never come back empty, said, you will die if you eat this. He stated what the consequence would be. And humanity should have known better. But, you know, unfortunately, we don't. And unfortunately, this is not even just about Adam and Eve. I mean, they died a long time ago. This is about us. Satan is the enemy of God. And everything he says will oppose him in an effort to get you to fall from grace. And so whenever you're presented with these appealing ideologies and concepts and practices if it goes against God's word you need to reject it this is why it's important to learn to discern right you have to read your bibles every day you have to know the word you have to know what's in it so that you know what and when to reject it okay understand that when satan came to the earth He put on the cloak of the serpent. The serpent does not carry himself as the enemy of God. He even quotes God's word, but his application contradicts that very word. Jesus even said that, um, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. These wolves are going to put on the cloak of a sheep. They're going to speak like sheep. But inside, they are ravenous wolves. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because it's important to not only know the words that are in the the Bible, but to know the word in context. So then when the enemy is presenting the word 
out of context, you're able to, you know, pick up on these things. The Holy Spirit um, will be able to reveal that because you're familiar with it. God's word will never contradict itself. And anyone who says otherwise is allowing themselves to be used by the devil himself. Okay, so we know God is the truth. The devil is a liar. Okay, and there are many examples throughout scripture that emphasize the significance of witnesses. More especially, two witnesses. Numbers chapter 35 verses 13. Whosoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Okay, so this verse is telling us that if if someone witnessed that taking place, that testimony can put um, the murderer to death. But one person is not enough to convict another person to die, right? So there has to be multiple witnesses. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 18, verses 16. Matthew 18, verses 15 and 16. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if, sh- and if he shall not hear thee, then... And if he hears you, then you have gained a brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more witnesses, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So here it's basically reiterating the importance of having two or three witnesses. Let's turn to Mark 6, verses 7. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth, two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. So this is speaking to Jesus. When he dispersed his disciples, he was sending them out in groups of two. Proverbs 19 verses 9 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, but he who breathes out lies will perish. And so in the word, we get these reminders of bearing false witness, bringing about death, right? And the importance of um, truth in society, the importance of Um, being a truthful witness and let's think about it quickly why is lying so detrimental to society okay so i'm not gonna labor on it being a heart condition i'm sure we all know it by now people who bear false witness have a problem within their hearts right this is a heart condition but further than that people who lie especially when they've been caught in a lie, these type of people lose credibility. I mean, just think about it in yourselves with people you know who lie. Like, whenever they tell you anything, even if they start to tell you the truth, you don't believe whatever they have to say because you're like, you already assume that whatever they have to say is a lie, right? 
liars lose credibility they lose integrity and these are one of the most valuable traits a person can have and i think maybe this is why god really tells us and emphasizes the importance of keeping your word he says when you do something when you've made a commitment you have to go out and make sure that you have kept that commitment you have kept that promise because that is the practice that he does when he says he's going to do something he does it and as a child of god when you say you're going to do something you have to be someone who does it if a reliable person were to tell you okay i'm going to have finished this project at this time you can trust that they will actually do it right whereas someone who's unreliable no credibility no integrity whatsoever when they tell you they're going to do something you don't believe them and how shameful is the fact that if they were to convert right and start believing in the truth of God's word when they start testifying God's goodness people are not going to believe them because they've lost credibility Proverbs 14 verses 25 says a truthful witness saves lives but one who breathes out lies is deceitful I tell the truth in Christ I am not lying my conscience also bearing witness with me in the Holy Spirit Romans 9 verses 1 this is Paul expressing that everything that he is testifying about Christ is the truth Let's actually look at a few examples throughout scripture of um two witnesses so that you can see that this is actually a pattern that is repeated all throughout the Bible. It actually becomes so beautiful when um you see it as like one full picture. So we're just going to look at those examples briefly. Our first example is found in Genesis chapter 19 verses 1. And there came two angels to Sodom in the evening and lot sat at the gate of sodom and lot seeing them rose up to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground okay so this is during the time of sodom and gomora just before they were destroyed god sent two witnesses then we have genesis chapter 5 and 6 the witnesses who um were saved in different ways. We have Enoch and Noah. Enoch being a picture of a witness who was taken away and Noah being a witness um an example of a witness who was saved through the tribulation or the the wrath, right? Our third example found in Numbers chapter 14 verses 6. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh which were with them that searched the land rent their clothes for those of us who are not familiar with the story this is when the spies were sent out to go and scout the promised land 12 spies were sent out but only 2 came back with a positive report another example of two witnesses is found in Exodus 5 verses 1 
And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Okay, so these are the two people that were presented before Pharaoh. Two witnesses. Um, we have another example of two witnesses in Second Kings chapter 2 verses 11 and it came to pass as they talked behold a chariot of fire horses of fire and parted them both asunder elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and elisha saw it and he cried my father my father the chariot of israel and the horsemen thereof and he saw him no more he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into pieces. Okay, so we have the two people who witnessed um, Elijah's ascension. The last example of two witnesses um, is found in Luke chapter 20 verses 4. Um, these are the two witnesses in Jesus' time, right? Um, so we see John making way for Jesus, for his ministry to take place on earth. First John chapter one, verses one to four. That which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested to us that which we have seen and heard is what we declare unto you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things we write to you that your joy may be full this is a very powerful text because this expresses why we can trust the bible why we can trust scripture because it has been written by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses the book of corinthians says that jesus after his resurrection he manifested himself in front of over 400 people in one place. Multiple people saw him being alive. Multiple people had testimony and experiences with him. The book of John even says, I cannot write all the things that he did. There is no book that can carry all the things that he did in his life while he was here on earth. And this is really exciting because it emphasizes how reliable the word of God is. It says everything that we are writing to you is things that we've seen with our own eyes. John saw Jesus being crucified and he saw him being resurrected three days later. And he saw him ascending into the, I mean, seriously, 
this this is a truthful witness and remember these all of these testimonies in scripture are from people who are under the law of god right and so they are under this commandment to not bear false witness they are not allowed to testify of a lie and remember god cannot send someone to go and break his law god does not contradict himself he is a god of truth he can only speak truth and that's the level and the standard he expects from his disciples from his apostles from his servants and from his ministers and so we can trust the bible because these men who are writing these things saw it with their own eyes and being under this law testified the truth of god's word wow this is the most truthful testimony we could ever get the testimony from god himself and he gave us his word Oh, that's actually a beautiful expression. God gave us his word as in he gave us his word that we can trust it and his word being the Bible and his word being Jesus. Oh, that <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going down this rabbit hole. But honestly, this is just more precious than fine jewels. This is this is more precious than gold. It's more precious than anything really. Because it means that everything in the Bible is true. the god who cannot lie said so and imagine like i'm just thinking of the history of the bible and how many demonic forces were against it being published worldwide the way it is right now how many of them tried to burn it so that we could not have access to it but god protected and preserved these words in this book for someone like me and you to have access to we should not take this lightly this is indeed the testimony of god himself these are the words of truth matthew 10 verses 32 therefore whoever shall testify of me before men I will testify of him also before my father which is in heaven. So this is a task we have been given. We are given the task to testify of Jesus Christ our Lord and our savior among all men. This is not a testimony we should be ashamed of. Paul says I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. We have a responsibility to testify of the truth of God's word to people who desperately need to be saved. To people who don't even know that that they are in danger, they are in harm's way. We are told to not lie to each other since we have taken off our old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the image of its creator 
Colossians 3 verses 9 to 10. And so as these new creatures that we are now, we, we don't have to lie. We don't have to give false testimonies. And this is how we aim to share the truth here at Devoted Devotions. No sugarcoating. We are putting away lies. These are the things we need to tackle and we need to address within ourselves, within our families, within our churches, in our communities. These need to be addressed. We need to put aside lying. There is no society that can function in lies. In fact, all societies all over the world, independent of whatever culture it is, understands the the importance of telling the truth. This is all part of the genetic code that God has embedded in us. Um, God has embedded a moral compass in us, um, stated in Romans chapter 1 and 2. We know right and wrong. But sometimes people just don't want to acknowledge that that right and wrong comes from God. He decides what it is, right? And so if there's anything that you get from this episode, I hope that it is Acts chapter 5 verses 32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The disciples, the apostles, the early church, has all passed away at this very moment. They're not alive, right? But we are. And we have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we know the law of God. And so we are sent out into the world to bear witness of this testimony. We have the responsibility to make sure other people know But other people won't trust what we have to say if we are people who are filled with deceit, lies, and cunning. And so those are things we need to learn to remove in ourselves. Because if we are about to bear the law of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, we have to speak the truth. Remember the third commandment, When you take up God's name, you take up his character. You become his ambassador. You represent him. And I'm sure I don't need to tell you that people who bear false witness um, were generally put to death. There's that example in Acts of that couple that lied about how much they had received from selling the plot of land. They bore false witness. Okay, the punishment of these things is death. The wages of sin is death. And so we are obliged, really, to speak the truth and shame the devil. Let's not be afraid of speaking the truth, whether it comes with consequences or it doesn't. We should be children of light and embody that that light that the Father has given to us. And understand that the devil will try and turn that light off and 
And he's only doing that because he doesn't have it. All right? So don't be intimidated by people or forces that try to get you to not speak the truth. Don't ever feel afraid to speak the truth of God's word. I like this example in in, in the book of Samuel when David is about to fight Goliath and um, he, he tells the king that he's going to go. He's going to go and, and um, meet with Goliath. And Saul is just like, no, you can't do that. You're not able to because you're too young. And what does David say? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35. He says, your servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he arose against me and I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Amen. This excerpt is David giving his own personal testimony. He says, oh no, I've already experienced this. I actually even like this specific experience. He's giving a picture of him rescuing a lamb out of the hand of a lion and a bear. If you fast forward in the Bible and you go to the book of Daniel um, and to the book of Revelations, you see that the lion and the bear are images or examples to describe kingdoms that almost like they're so terrifying right and they take over and they try to trample over God's people but with this imagery we see David now being this champion who goes out to rescue the lamb out of the mouth of the lion and the bear like this just this should be really encouraging to someone out there that we should not be intimidated by lions and bears and uncircumcised Philistines because the Lord our God does not fight with swords and spears. Verses 47. And so to someone out there, this might be encouragement that whenever someone is trying to derail you from the assignment that you have been given to derail you from the project that God has given you to do and telling you that, oh, you're too young. Oh, you don't have this. Oh, no, you can't do this for this and that reason. Understand that your testimony of what God has taken you through to get you to that point is enough to get you across the finish line. 
understand that your God does not fight with swords and spears. And so while people might think that, oh, Goliath is just so much bigger than David, how will he ever be able to beat him? It was a no-brainer for God. The same way that God has been delivering them out of all these other situations. In your own life, you have your own testimonies. If you are walking with the Holy Spirit, you're walking, being led by the word. You have experiences of how good God is. You have experiences and testimonies of the things that God has done for you. The word says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is he that trusted in him. You have experiences and testimonies of how good it is to trust in the Lord. You have testimonies of the things that he has taken you out of. How he's rescued you, how he's provided for you, how he's protected you, how he's shielded you, how he has comforted you, how he was your refuge, how he defended you. And these testimonies will all keep you in line with your assignment. And so we see David giving that testimony and going forth and actually defeating Goliath but we all know that um, the battle was won by the Lord it was not David's victory but it was the Lord's victory right and so to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them Isaiah chapter 8 verses 20 discernment 101 the most important testimony here on earth is the testimony of Jesus Christ because it is in line with the law of God. This is the testimony that needs to be shared throughout the world. This testimony has to be preached. Um, I know a lot of us are looking forward to Jesus's return, right? We want our Savior to return to us. But did you know that he is not going to return until his testimony is preached throughout the world? If you turn with me to Matthew 24, verses 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. So now I have a question for you. Do you really want Jesus to return? Are you preaching this gospel in an anticipation for his return? Or is it just not that important to you? I encourage you to search yourself. Preaching the gospel is a priority. Telling as many people as you can that Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior, died for them. And they have a chance at life if they believe. They have a chance to escape the wrath of God if they believe. 
it's not a waste of time. We do this in anticipation because there is not much time. We do this because we want the end to come. I mean, I don't know about you, but personally, I can't wait for my Lord and Savior to return, to tear that sky open and, and for him to come in the, in the host of heaven. Like it would, I can't even, it's a beautiful sight. But we aren't doing enough to bring that end on, right? We're not preaching enough. We're only preaching to the choir. What about when you meet random people? Are you telling them that Jesus loves them? And so I encourage you to preach the gospel, to share the testimony of Jesus Christ to at least one person a day, like at least. <laughs> that is the least you can do. But also do it as you are led. Don't just, you know, front run the process. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. But I'm just encouraging you to put this on your radar as well. Okay. So this is, this command is not only about bearing false witness, but it also tells us to bear truthful witness and the truthful testimony that we have been given, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And with that being said, may the Lord add a special blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Our Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word. We thank you so much for the testimony of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross of Calvary. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit may lead us to share this testimony with the souls that are out there that so desperately need to hear these words and accept them, Father, that your kingdom may come. Fill us with your spirit as we go out into the world, as we become the light of the world, and as we illuminate the world, Father. Let us not be intimidated by the world, Father. Let us not be changed by the world, but let us change the world, Father. In your mighty name we pray, knowing that in your name, Jesus Christ, it is already done. It has already been given to us. Amen. So if you've learned anything new, please share it with a friend or two. From your host, Tandi, thank you for listening. Stay blessed.